Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Nahum Klegman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Welcome to episode 15 of the From Entrepreneur. And today I have Avi Singer as our guest. Avi is the founder and CEO of Showed.me. That's S-H-O-W-D.me. I'll, of course, put the link in the show notes. Uh, before we introduce uh, Avi, first of all, I want to thank all my listeners. Uh, you guys have absolutely been fantastic. The feedback I've been getting has been great. Uh, I haven't made this request yet online, on the air, I should say. But uh, if you're on an iOS system or if you have iTunes, if you could take the 30 seconds and just rank it. If you enjoy the show, maybe leave some comments. That would be absolutely fantastic. Really helps uh, in getting our show out to more people. So thank you very much. And without further ado, I want to introduce Avi. Avi, are you there? I am here. Avi, welcome to the show. And uh, you know, I've heard a, a bit about you, but I'm really looking forward to learning more and learning more about Showed.me. And you know, let's dig in. So wh- why don't you tell us a little bit about what Showed.me is? Sure, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I uh, really appreciate reaching out. Really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Uh, I've heard a few of the other uh, podcasts you've done so far, and uh, they've been really, really interesting. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, showed me as we pronounce it. I, maybe I should have mentioned that before, but showed me is a uh, a training platform for organizations to use. And uh, what's different about our training platform versus others is that ours focuses on peer-to-peer learning. So basically using your employees to train other employees. Uh, if you think about our uh, world today and the whole concept of the sharing economy, the Airbnbs, um, the Ubers, um, this concept of sort of sharing your resources uh, is something that people are getting really comfortable with. Um, and we, we, we expect the organizations are going to start to leverage this uh, more in the future as well. Uh, and in addition, you know, uh, you know, basically it's, it's the name of our company. When you ask somebody, you know, how did you learn how to do that? How did you learn how to sell? How did you learn how to provide customer service? How did you learn how to negotiate like that? Most often people People say, well, somebody showed me. Someone showed me how to do that. And what we're really trying to do is get organizations to leverage that even more. So basically, I mean, actually, it's a fin- really a fantastic idea if you think about it. You know, when, when I guess you have a new employee coming to a company, coming to an organization, you know, they may get the job and they show up and they're like, well, how do I do a thousand different things? So here you're saying the people that have already been doing it for a while, the people that are already in, uh, you know, know the ins and outs, instead of having to go to each person and to rehash, everything is recorded or everything is put in one place for a new employee to come and learn from the people that actually have the hands-on experience. Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. So it's, it's changing the way the organizations traditionally tried to train their employees. Um, they used the classroom, which has you know, been around for thousands of years. They used uh, you know, uh, recorded sessions or documentation. And again, when you think about people today and, and you know, you want to you don't want to label them as millennials or things like that. But when you think about people today, that's just not the way people learn anymore. People don't learn in classrooms. People don't learn through sitting through a long class or reading documents. They learn through others. They learn through reaching out. You know, if I want to know something, I may reach out on Twitter and say, hey, who knows something about? And people will respond or on Facebook. Um, and we want to bring the same learning to organizations. And like, it's exactly like you said, you know, people have done this before. People have the experience and, and they want to share it. And we're providing the platform just to enable that and make it easier for it to happen. Again, I hate to reiterate, but it really is a fantastic idea because, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, even the the old style, besides just sitting in a classroom, you're just reading what some corporate writer put up about the company or put up, you know, how they want to do things. But here you're getting actual real world experience. And I, I think that's much more powerful than just, you know, something that uh, they hired a marketer to put together, so to speak. 
Exactly. Yeah, we're finding the same thing. And you, know, you might go to school and, you know, giving, I'll give you the example of an engineer. You might go to school and learn uh, different coding languages. You might learn, you know, PHP or, or, or C or, or uh, you know, databases or things like that. And then when you walk into the organization, there's a very nuanced way that that organization uses that code in their platform, right? So they, there's a way that they use Java or PHP or whatever it is or, or their, their mobile application. Um, so, you know, coming in and sort of knowing it, you know, that, that's one part of it. But more importantly, when you come into an organization, like you said, you don't want to read off some documentation that someone created. You want to talk to that engineer who's working on the platform and doing the things you'll be doing and say, how do you use Java in our product or in our platform? How do you use uh, a PHP in order to, to write the various web pages or whatever it is that we have? And it's a much more practical, much more thorough experience. And then also, like you mentioned before, you know, the ability to record that. And that's so easy now. Uh, we have so many tools to video uh, record and and. and record screen shares and things like that, that becomes huge also where we can record a lot of these conversations or, or demonstrations that are happening and share that with others. You're just you know building up a lot of really, really great content for uh, organizations to use. Fantastic. And can people like comment on the content or can they uh, rate the content? So that's an interesting question. I, <laughs> um, you know, one say, of like, the... Let's say you have 20 sales guys and 20 and they have 20, you know, this, you know, they're all posting different things and hey, how, how to do a sale or how to promote a product, you know, which one is really, which, which has worked for other people? You know, that type of idea. Yeah. So the way that we, the way that we look at it is, is more along the lines of um, like Google does. We sort of, you know, put the ones that are popular based on the number of views or downloads. We put that in front of you. The challenge we have with allowing people to sort of rate things is that, you know, it's, it's an employee volunteering their time. Right. Or even mm-hmm. commenting also. Right. So it's an employee who basically said, yeah, I'm willing to give a half hour to a new colleague or to an you know, old colleague and teach them how to run reports or, or do something. You know, and if one person gets a bad rating, um, one, it'll affect their willingness to do this in the That's future. True. Hey, hey I'm volunteering. <laughs> I volunteer my time. Why would you do that to me? Right. And two, it may, it may make others nervous as well, right? So this is like public forums. You know, managers can see it. HR can right. see it. Um, so, you know, others Boy, may get nervous. that's a horrible idea. <laughs> right, right. So other, others may get a little bit nervous about it. But we like the notion of, of just really, um, you know, again, like I said, like, like the way that search works. It's, if, if it's popular, if people are linking to it, if people are viewing it, that means it's popular. So you're right. You may have 10 or 15, com- you know, uh, similar pieces of content. But what we do is we, we sort of sort it by the one that seems to get a lot of attention and assume that that's the one that's that's probably best for employees to look at first. Excellent. So I want to dig a little bit more, but before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, You know where you were born, where you were raised, the schools you went to, all that type of stuff. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, born and raised in, in Montreal, Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so- Francais? Uh, not anymore. That's uh, <laughs> by the way. It's the only thing I know in French. Probably pretty much the only thing I understand in French anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, grew up grew up in Montreal. My parents are still there. Um, went to yeshiva there. And once I graduated high school, um, went to yeshiva Godola of Montreal. And uh, once I graduated high school, you know, I realized that you know one of the challenges with staying in Montreal or Quebec um, is that you know. Uh, People actually work bilingually there. I wasn't a great student, and, and frankly, uh, learning in one language was hard enough for me. Uh, but to have to go to college and then, you know, try to start a business or get a job, uh, having to do do it, you know, both French and English, I saw as a big challenge. You know, Fortunately, I just want to interject here with a little story of my own because I, I totally feel your pain point. When, when I was in high school, uh, went to JEC for a couple of years. Elizabeth, I remember I was, you know, that I had Spanish class. And uh, after like two or three days of Spanish, I said, okay, we have English, we have Hebrew, and now you want me to take Spanish? I said, this is ridiculous. I, I wasn't such a, a great student, to say the least. And, you know, I went to uh, Rabbi Tights and I said, I said, Rabbi Tights, I said, you have me in Spanish class. And I said, it's a total waste of my time. I said, I have enough problems with Hebrew and I have even problems with English and you're trying to get me to, to speak Spanish? So he thinks about it for a second and goes, he says, you're right. During Spanish class, you can go to the computer room. 
And, uh, you know, this is going back, uh, I guess, about 30 years ago or so. 30 years since I, wow. It's going back about 30 years or so. And uh, that's how I, I got into computers. That's how I first started learning. But uh, so I totally hear that, uh, that pain point of like, you know, one language is enough for most people. Exactly. And that, that's, yeah, that was, that was my experience. And then, you know, fortunately, my, my father was uh, born and raised in Brooklyn. So he was a U.S. citizen. Um, so I was able to come, you know, be, I'm a dual citizen, uh, Canadian and U.S. and was able to come to the U.S., go to Yeshiva here. You know, was very fortunate to go to Toronto College, which is great. For, for you go to? Uh, here I went to Yeshiva Farakway, and then I learned in, um, in Yeshiva Zechon Aryeh, both uh, in the in the Farakway Five Towns uh, area. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, you know, great opportunity with with Turo to be able to to learn during the day and go to school at night. So did that. Uh, got married. Um, you know, moved to Farakway. Once I graduated from Turo, uh, my original plan actually was to be a clinical psychologist. And then I realized that you know you needed a PhD to really be a clinical psychologist. It seemed like a long haul. Uh, and I heard about this field called organizational psychology. Uh, okay. It just seemed really, really interesting to me, this, this concept of motivating employees and, and trying to create engagement with employees. It just seemed like a really, really interesting uh, part of psychology that I'd never heard of before. Um, so I applied to uh, Columbia University and got into their master's program in organizational psychology. Wow. Uh, loved it. It was just, you know, wow, this is a total different application of psychology than I had thought of before, um, you know, in, in terms of helping people, which I, which I love to do, but, but this is really a different application. And finished my degree there in organizational psychology. Then I went to Hofstra University for a degree in marriage and family therapy. Okay. Um, not so much in order to be a marriage and family therapist as much as to learn a lot more about communication and conflict resolution, mm. um, which, which I wanted to use in my field of organizational psychology to sort of help organizations out you know, through better communication, better team dynamics, better conflict resolution. So I went to Hofstra and then was really, really, I mean, you know, again, you know, so everything's hashkacha, but uh, you know, was very, very fortunate to get a job with a company here in New York City called DoubleClick. Oh, sure, I know DoubleClick. They were bought by Google. I remember them before they were bought from Google. Right, and I was, you know, uh, like I said, really, really fortunate because here I was, you know, a yeshiva guy, you know, who, who, you know, basically my background was, you know, in, in yeshiva and uh, and had, a, you know, had some degrees. I knew nothing about that field of technology or what they were doing, which was uh, yeah. advertising technology. But you know, again, you know, Baruch Hashem, I interviewed there and I, I got a job there. It was a Great company. What was your job over there? So my job was was uh, and again this was again like I said just Ashgach in, in a lot of different ways. They were a 700 person technology company based in New York but really global, and they were looking to hire somebody to help them grow from 700 to 1500 in two years. Okay. Um, so they had this very aggressive plan of really growing the company very very fast, and ultimately either going public again. They had been a public company at one point or getting sold to you know Google, AOL, Microsoft, Yahoo. Um, those were the ones who, after a few years, were actually the ones involved in bidding for DoubleClick. So it was just an incredible experience where, we, where I got to literally you know, get involved in everything. Get involved in you know, uh, training new hires and training managers and training leaders and skill development and learning about technology, uh, an area that I did not know a lot about in 2005 when I started over there. Um, but it was a great organization. The people there were really, really friendly and wanted to help and, uh, and and really wanted to get involved. And that's sort of where I started my thinking around this whole notion of, of social learning, just being in that kind of environment where, where people wanted to help you. You know, I would talk to a product manager and say, you know so much about product management, you know, would you be willing to share this with others in the organization? And, and they, the answer was always yes. And people were just like, yeah, I'd love to do that. What, what do we do? And I just said, well, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll do something with WebEx and email. We'll sort of, you know, MacGyver something together over here and, and, uh, and we can do things. 
and we started doing job shadowing programs and mentoring programs. And, and I really learned there that, that leveraging your people is, is pretty much the only way you're going to be able to train enough employees to go from 700 to 1,500 in two years. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, so like I said, a great experience. And also as a, as a from person, could not have asked for a, a better first environment, I would say, uh, in terms of place to work. You know, New York City is not very difficult in terms of being a from employee. And from my experience, right. that's what I found. But they were overly accommodating. I mean, we had a, we had a, we had a Mincha minion there. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, we didn't have enough from people in, in our company. We had a few, but there were other companies in the building, but they were more than happy to host it and just really in, incredibly accommodating in, in, in so many ways. So it was a really great, great experience. I had to travel a lot for work, but again, you know, uh, they bent over backwards to, you know, sort of accommodate my schedules and accommodate my needs and things like that. Gosh, so, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, I remember one point having to fly to, um, to Ireland for a week. And, oh, wow. um, and my so manager, you're alone, I guess. Well, that would have been one option, but my manager literally <laughs> is just sitting me down saying, Hey, Avi, you know, we need you to go over there. And, and I don't know, you know, what the kosher situation is over there or what, but you do what you have to do, you know, in terms of, and basically she was just saying, you know, financially, you know, I didn't have to really abide to abide by the, the typical, uh, T and E rules. Um, you know, go find what you need to do in order to go there. And, and, and that's always the experience I found there. So, um, so really, really great. great experience there. After about two and a half years, Google agreed to uh, to buy DoubleClick, um, right. so I, I joined Google. They already had a presence in New York. Um, people weren't that aware of it, but they already had a few thousand employees in New York City. Um, so <laughs> I so guess we sort of thousand employees in New York City doesn't make a lot of noise, you know. Yeah, not for Google. <laughs> not for Google. <laughs> That's everyone really thought it, or thinks of them or even thought of them as a, a very much a West Coast company. But we got we got acquired by Google, and um, again, really really great experience. Google being another great organization, one to work for in terms of the people that are there, and two again as a, as a from person in, in the workplace, just incredibly accommodating. Google's legendary for their you know feeding their employees, you know breakfast, lunch, sure. and dinner, and and it was it was no different for the from people. You know they I remember originally we had found them a uh, some kind of sandwich vendor. I think out of Jersey somewhere to provide, you know, uh, meals for us the, the, from people who are working at Google. And, uh, and the chef came back after a couple of months and he said, no, nah, this is, this isn't good enough. This is not on par with what we serve here. Um, and, and he ended up, uh, he ended up, uh, creating a relationship with Abigail's. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So you could not complain about oh, that. I was going to say that's, that's terrible. You had to eat Abigail's every single day. That's Every that's day, horrible. every day. Yeah. It was, it was awful. It was really, really awful. <laughs> and your wife um, must've been the- you know, you come home from dinner and she's like, uh, tuna sandwich? Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, she used to call me. It was, it was funny. They would literally deliver um, fresh fruit every morning and and a lot of it. I mean, you know, maybe we had 15 or 20 people eating kosher and it was good food. And I remember the kitchen staff would really, you know, be vigilant about protecting it and, you know, making sure that none of the non-kosher eaters uh, were trying to steal some of the kosher food because it was really it was really good. Um, but I remember my, my wife used to call me late in the day and, and, and you know, at night sometimes there'd be some stuff left over. And, you know, they always said, just take it home with you. We don't, you know, we're going to throw oh, it great. out. Yeah, she would call and say, so what do you, what do you have? over there and I would take a look. I said, oh, there's, seems like there's some salad here and, and, and maybe there's some sushi. Um, you know, let me know what, let me know what you want and, and we'll bring it home. So it's, uh, again, like That's I said, great. just really, really good experience here with, with Google. Uh, ultimately decided after about six months at Google that I was going to, to move on. Again, like I said, great experience, but I felt a lot of their focus was on the West Coast and that would really have to be something I'd have to make a decision about. And I, I like New York City. Uh, my, my kids are you know already sort of growing up and, and very comfortable here. So left Google, uh, very briefly worked for uh, Blue Man Group, the, that, the that show. I want to hear about because I, yeah, like how do you go to Google and being a from yet you know working for a Blue Man Group? I mean that's yeah, uh, yeah. So so just to be clear, I was never I was never a Blue Man. I always yeah. get that I always <laughs> get that question. That's my next question: Did you ever have to fill in or? Yeah, that's so Blue Man Group was actually very interesting. People don't realize it's a, it's a very large actually, organization. First of all, for our listeners that yeah. don't know what uh, Blue Man's Group is, how would you uh, describe anything? It's an entertainment. I mean, it's an entertainment show that combines um, music, uh, comedy, lights, and, and action. It's it's really it's a, it's a very interesting show because and men dressed uh, all in blue. I mean, they were, they're, they were blue. Yeah, they're, 
Yeah, there are three men in all the shows who are, who are all blue. And what I, what I say also is like it's, what's interesting about it, it's a very family-friendly show. And, and that, again, you know, uh, was, was interesting for me in terms of, um, you, know, who, you know, as a firm person, again, wanting to associate yourself with, with certain organizations. But, but here's a, it's an incredibly family-friendly show. And, and you know, they have uh, five or six shows across the country. And I think they also have a relationship with Norwegian Cruise Line, and they have a show there. Um, so really interesting organization. Uh, and again, in the entertainment industry, an industry I knew nothing about, but they had approached me at some point while I was still at Google they approached me and said, you know, we're, we realize now we're a big company. I mean, they have, uh, people don't realize there are actually about 50 or 60 blue men. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So in order to have, you know, 20 shows a week. You can't kill them apart though. <laughs> you can't. That's, and they're, 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 I think, and I couldn't, I could not either. And it was always funny to bump into some of the blue men in the hall and the guy would say, yeah, I'm one of the blue men. And I was like, no, you just look like a regular guy. <laughs> you just look like a normal person. Your blue skin? Exactly. So there are about 50 or 60 of them to accommodate you know, the, the various shows they have, like I said, Vegas might be 20 shows a week. Um, and, and it's impossible for three guys to do the same show. And then they've got musicians and they've got all the things that go into really putting out a theater production. And they have a lot of back office staff, you know, sales and marketing and, and all that. And they really started to see themselves as a, as a real company, a real organization. And again, we're looking for somebody, was looking for somebody like myself to come in and, and help them with that. So help them become, you know, a, a real company and, and, and think about the, the things like, like employee development and uh, training and performance and all kinds of things like that. Un- Unfortunately, when I joined, uh, was around uh, 2008, 2009, when the economy took a huge hit. So, and enter- entertainment is always the industry that, that goes first. So, you know, that's that's people's discretionary spend. And so, it was only there for a few months. Um, and they came and they basically said, "Hey, Avi, we're we're sorry, it's not going to work out." And I said, "That's fine. You know, that's uh, I love the opportunity. It was it was really interesting for the time I was there. And again, you know, very fortunate. I was was still kind of recently had had recently left Google, so still had some contacts and on some opportunities. And I uh, was introduced to a company called Undertone, a New York based company that, um, again, introduction sort of through, uh, through Google and DoubleClick, um, but also in the advertising technology space, small company. And I met with the CEO and, uh, and he said, hey, Avi, you know, I, I have a small company and, and maybe companies don't really hire somebody like you so early on in, in the evolution of the company, but I, I want this to be a great place to work. Like that's the, like, aside from, you know, making money and all that, like, I just want this to be a great place to work. I want you to come on board and, and help us do that. Mm-hmm. So, so spent uh, four and a half years at Undertone, you know, focused on that. So we grew from you know ninety employees to over three hundred employees, and uh, oh, wow. became an international company. But you know, aside from that, and aside from you know, very fortunate the company did well and, and does well. Really proud of the fact that we were named to numerous you know best places to work lists, and That's you great. know. You know, wh- whether it's in New York City or, or other other cities or you know in, in certain industries like advertising, um, so that was really great to have that opportunity to, to again uh, work for a company that wanted to do that and again get to use sort of the things that I started really really getting comfortable with, which was again this this concept of social learning and interaction and collaboration and all the things that were really um, exciting for me. And now a word from our sponsor. Do you have a website that runs on WordPress? If you are like me, you want the peace of mind knowing your website is up to date. Secure from viruses and hacks, and will always be up and running at peak performance, 25 hours a day, 7 days a week. I was also tired of paying the developer hundreds of dollars every time I just wanted a few tweaks to my website, or to add a new product to my e-commerce site, but I couldn't even justify paying for even a half-time developer. That is why I became part of the founding team of WP Milk. WP Milk monitors and secures the website and backs it up daily in the cloud using Amazon S3. If your site goes down, we know about it instantly and work directly with your hosting company without you getting involved. Need to add a page to your website? Keep your plugins updated? How about creating a custom form? With WP Milk, you have unlimited email support and site tweaks to always keep your site running smooth and feature rich. For less than $5 a day, you can have your very own professional WordPress team at your fingertips, giving you all these features and much more. At that price, how can you afford not to? You have zero risk with our 30-day no-questions-asked money-back guarantee. So visit WPMilk.com 
right now and sign up for updates and you will get a special discount on launch. And now back to our show. So how did you get into Showed Me? Like, how'd you come up with the idea and what made you say, hey, you know what? I don't want to work for these companies as great as they are. I actually want to go out as, as an entrepreneur. I want to go out on my own and build my own thing. Yeah, great question. Really what it was, uh, you know, again, as I saw the advantage of, of using sort of employees and, and collaboration internally, I, I looked for technology to support that. So, you know, now I'd worked for technology companies for a number of years, was very comfortable with it and couldn't really find the type of technology that could help us make it easy within organizations for employees to find each other, to connect with each other, to speak with each other, to use the content that they create together to, for other employees. Just it didn't exist. I remember at one point calling, you know, very early on in 2005, 2006, you know, trying to talk to Facebook and, and trying to get them to let us use Facebook for a, as a business solution. Um, and they were not interested. I uh, had the same conversation with LinkedIn back in 2005, 2006 and said, you know, again, we see the value in what LinkedIn's doing, but we want to use it internally. And uh, again, right. they were not interested in that. So over the years, I had built internally with contractors um, certain technology that helped what I'm talking about, you know, connecting employees and, and being able to do that and realized that, I, you know, with, with the, by the fact that it didn't exist in the market, there, there potentially is a big market market opportunity for it. So yes, yeah, so in around uh, I would say mid 2014 decided that you know now it seemed like a really good time to test the market. I spoke to a lot of colleagues I had in the training and development world, and, and they said, yeah, this is something we would love to have and we're looking for. And, uh, and you know, just again, you know, with, with my family and my wife, you know, when you, when, you, when you embark on something like this, you've got to have everyone's support. So yeah, made the leap and, and decided to, to sort of, you know, again, you know, sort of leverage the things I had learned in my you know, 10 years of, of training and development experience, um, but also some, some of the things I learned, you know, again, working in the technology space to create the ShowedMe platform. So that's great. And how did you fund it? Was it friends and family? I was very fortunate. Uh, one of the things that I've tried to do, um, you know, again, working in human resources, you know, sort of gives me a little bit of a, of a insight into hiring and, and careers and things like that. And one of the things I've, I've been involved with in, since 2008, 2009 is, you know, training people on, uh, you know, interviewing and interviewing skills and, and hiring and things like that. And uh, um, one of my friends had for many years was trying to get me involved with, with the Aguda. And, uh, and I sort of, you know, kept turning him down. I kept saying, hey, you know, it's not, it's not for me, I, I, you know politics isn't really for me and I don't really understand it that well. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I think advocacy is really, really important. But again, just sort of the, the political side of it didn't really appeal to me. And then one day, one day he came to me and he said, hey, forget the political side. You know, we've got this, you know, division called PCS and it, it helps, you know, guys, people get jobs. And sure, helps- actually, uh, I did some lectures for them uh, a couple of years ago. For the liquid yeah, branch. That's exactly who I did for the same, same thing. So um, he connected me with PCS and we started to talk and I was able to do a, a couple of sessions for them. And then through that relationship with the Aguda, I, I, met, uh, I met a man by the name of Kadali Weinberger, um, who's very involved. Oh, yeah. um, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah, so he's very involved with it. Good, uh, met with him, and he said, "Okay, uh, aside from this, what else do you do?" And I said, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm planning on starting this company called Showed Me." He was working on some technology that I wouldn't say was was similar, but again, yeah, similar ideas around sort of improving educational technology was, I guess, would be the broad term. And uh, we started talking, and he said, "You know what? Why don't we Why don't we do this together?" And I'm working on this project. You're looking to start this project. Why don't we collaborate on this? Um, and uh, and that's that's basically how we've uh, we've we funded the company by really partnering together, leveraging some of the stuff he had done already and, and his knowledge and his network. So that's, it's, it's been great. And you know, it's been great to, to have a partner like that. Again, you know, tremendous hashkacha, you know, just, you know, sure. You know, getting involved with that good up and meeting with him and, and his interest in, in really um, seeing PCS be successful and continue to be successful. Um, we've worked together on, on other programs now for PCS, including trying to get more people involved with software. So I think PCS has been very, very successful in the accounting field and some of the other fields, but we see software development and, uh, you know, those types of, of skills as, as, as huge opportunities moving forward 
forward and particularly great for people, you know, learning in Colel or, or wanting to potentially avoid the, you know, having to go to the, your, your typical college experience. Right. Um, soft, software is one of those areas where, um, you know, you know, hiring managers and people like that really just look at, you know, what can you do? Can you build me something? Great. Then, then let, let's go. Let's do it. So, yeah, so that's, that's how we got Show Me off the ground. We've been working on the platform for a little over a year. Uh, launched it a couple months ago, and um, it's been fantastic. It's been well received by companies. It's been well received by uh, analysts in the HR technology space, and just in general, we, you know, Baruch Hashem, cannot ask for anything more really at this point. Wow, fantastic! And I, I mean, there's. I assume that you're probably just getting started after a year, but there's always more features, more things you want to do with it, and there's unlimited companies that can use it. But what, what t- what's the typical size company that's great for your software? Well, so that's a great question. I mean, we go after small, mid-sized businesses for, for two reasons. One, they don't have a lot of training resources. So if we can show them something that you know is easy to use and, and can help them be successful really quickly, um, that, that's appealing to them. The other reason we go after small, mid-sized businesses is that you know uh, the sales cycle is, is a little easier. Um, sure. You know, usually it's, it's one or two people you need to speak to on a yes or no. Uh, sure, it's appealing to go after Fortune 500 companies, but the sales cycle there might be a year or two, and you need to talk to you know hundreds of people. And, and frankly, we're, we're startup. We're a small company. We don't really have that kind of capacity. What's been interesting is the number of, of Fortune 500 companies who have approached us and come to us. Uh, one, of the, one of the first ones was uh, was Airbus in June of 2014. I think we just had a website. I don't think we had anything. <laughs> and one of the training managers emailed me from Germany, and he's a astronaut training manager. He trains astronauts from all the different countries of the world, actually, come out there to where he is in Cologne, Germany, and the uh, and Airbus trains them on, on certain components. And he said, and he said, you know, I'm here, and this is what I do. I'm an astronaut training manager, but you know we have 150,000 people at Airbus, and I don't know who knows what. I have no way to reach out to them. If, if I want to learn something, if I want to expand my skill base or my, my knowledge, I don't have a way to do that. Your system sounds like it would be perfect. And I said, yeah, sounds like it would be to me also. I hope, hope to, <laughs> Wish we had hope to build, Yeah, hope, hope to build what you're looking for. And then also kind of just told them, you know, you know listen, you know, it's, it's, it's me and engineers and you know some marketing people, but you know, for us, we're going to focus on the small mid-sized market because, uh, again, easier for us to have conversations with. And, uh, and hopefully, again, yeah, we'll have the opportunity to deal with those larger Companies because this is something they're looking at as well. If they have, if you have fifty thousand employees, if you have twenty thousand employees, you know the ability to find people really easily and find experts and connect with them is, is something they're all looking to do. Beautiful. So, I mean, we basically talked about this. Is what's what do you, you call this socially based employee training? Right. It's, it's employee training based on, I guess, the social network within the company. Correct. Exactly. And what we do is we tag everything with a skill. Right. So everything that's in our system is tagged with a skill. So people are tagged with skills. Right. Like you might have on LinkedIn, you might search for somebody who knows sales. You might search for somebody who knows marketing, you might search for somebody who knows entrepreneurship. That, that's the way they're tagged internally. And the tags can be even more specific. So it could be, you know, knows Coca-Cola bottling, knows PWC's like, accounting systems, whatever it is. It could be very, very specific. Right. And that way, when people come into our system, they start searching for those things. And it's only internal. So you're only looking at uh, employees within your organization, but you can find those experts internally on those specific areas. And the same way, if anyone shares a document, we tag that document, we can share with other people. So again, you can be searching for, um, you know, negotiation skills and find a PowerPoint that somebody shared with, with another person or PDF that they shared, the video recordings of sessions. We have you know questions and answers that have happened. You can search for all these things because they're tagged, and that's really what we consider it to be really, really social. You know, social is not just you know being able to comment or like something. Uh, social is really being able to, to to find things, right? You know, that that's the way that we you know find the key things, find the important things, and and, and use them uh, to help you help you be successful. It's great, it's great. And let's talk a bit about leadership development. You know, that's something that you do. That's something you coach people on, or 
what's uh, or something that your company does? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, my background is, and, and, and my, my first love is, is training. I love training people. You know, uh, I, I like getting up in front of a room of people and, 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 and teaching them a new skill, like uh, how to delegate properly or how to motivate employees or time management and productivity or negotiation skills or any of those things. I, just, I, I love doing it. I also find it to be <laughs> terribly inefficient. So, you know, you think about it, in, in this world today to stand up in front of a room of 12 people, you know, and spend a few hours with them. Uh, again, I love it. I hope they get, they get something out of it, but there's so much more to it. You know, there's so much more, there's so many more tools we have now. That, you know, again, like we sort of talked about at the beginning, you know, why are we still using the methodology that happened 30, 40 years ago? Right. Um, so what I, what I try to do though is, and what we try to do really with our organization is the people that, that work on my team, whether they're on client services or implementation or marketing, they know a lot about training. So they don't not, not, you know, put the technology aside. They know a lot about training and that's what really we help organizations do. We don't come in and say, you should use our technology because our technology is really cool. We don't say that. We say, you know, what are some of the pain points to have? Um, are you onboarding a lot of people? Are you afraid some people are not having a great experience? Um, do you need to develop your managers? Um, do you have a lot of really high potential employees who need more um, from your organization? And that's really what we spend time with them on. And we talk to them about that. We say, how can we improve your onboarding experience? How can we improve your management experience? How can we retain your employees? Um, how can we uh, ensure that, you know, with employees leaving jobs every two, three years now, you're retaining some expertise, right? Because you have smart people and they're only here for a couple of years and they go someplace else. Like, what happened to everything that they knew? That's really where we spend our time. Um, so we talk about like leadership development. We spend our time sort of coaching them on that and explain to them that. How do you do? So how do I understand it? They sign up for the software. They get this coaching also. Like how does that work? Exactly. Software itself teaches you. No, we just we, we don't we don't charge for that, and we don't and we, we do leverage our own software to train people. So yeah, I would say yeah, we, we like Google likes to say we dog food it. We we use our technology to train the companies that we that we work with. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean it's just you buy our technology, and we don't assume that just because you bought it, it's gonna be it's gonna help you. And we know that we need to be consultative. We need to work with you. We need to help you be successful. Um, so yeah, we, we leverage our expertise in setting up management training programs and say, hey, would you like to set up a management training program? They're like yeah, we want to teach our employees about delegation, and we share the resources that we have again in our combined careers. We have, we've got a lot of great materials and great great ideas for them. And then we say, why don't you use our technology to build a forum around your management training? So maybe you do a one-hour training and then people can share ideas and share concepts with each other using a, a forum within Showed Me. And then you have a follow-up training session a week later or two weeks later, right? So it's really, again, you know, using those original concepts of, of leadership development and leadership training. But now you, you leverage technology. So you're really kind of capturing that information somewhere, leveraging it, letting people sort of talk to each other, communicate with each other in a private and, and safe environment, um, share new articles they might find. I, you know, I find an article two weeks later. You know, email's inefficient. That's not a great place to send the article to the rest of my group around you know, delegation, this great article on delegation. Sure. Uh, you know, a forum might be a great place to do that. So that's really what it is. Yeah, we're, we, want, we want companies to be successful at, at that. And, and ultimately, it'll help us be successful because you know, if we just give them the technology and say, yeah, this will make onboarding magically work, it's not going to work. This will you know, make your managers more successful. That's not going to happen. Uh, and that's really ultimately what we want. Are you guys uh, mobile friendly for, uh, for people so that they could keep in contact or they could watch? Uh, or learn on the go? Absolutely. So we've got a, a native iOS uh, application. Besides for our technology being really responsive, so you could you know, log into our platform, you know, just do a web browser using an iPad or an iPhone. Uh, we've built the native technology for iOS specifically because there's, there's certain things people want to use from our system uh, when they're using an iPhone or an iPad more than, you know, when, when they're using it on the web. And it's great for so the, the kinds of organizations that like to use, uh, that, that like to make sure we have a mobile application are ones that have a lot of people on the field. Um, so maybe they have a lot of salespeople out on the field. They're not really carrying laptops around anymore these days. They're carrying 
an iPad around with them. Guy realizes, hey, and you know, tomorrow I've got a meeting with a client in an industry that I don't really know a lot about. He goes into our app. He searches for somebody who knows, you know, the print industry. You know, finds five people, reaches out to them, sets up a video chat with them, and says, hey, what can you teach me in 15 minutes about print? And uh, more importantly, why don't we record this so we can post this out for others within the organization to use? Um, oh, so that's, what that, a great that, application. That's really fantastic. Yeah, that, and that's a, that's a typical application of a mobile app for us. Wow. Okay. So this this has been really great. Really, uh, fantastic information. I think you know for any small or mid-sized business, you know, this application is be extremely useful for, you know, and I think the sooner you get on, the more content you'll have as you continue to grow. So uh, kudos for creating and uh, coming up with something so fantastic. Let me ask you just a couple more questions and then we'll, we'll close it off. But uh, as an entrepreneur, what would you say is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received as an entrepreneur. I've received so much, so much great advice. I mean, to, to be honest with you, I, you know, Baruch Hashem, I've got a really, really, you know, fantastic network of, of people and, and, and they've all been, you know, just incredibly uh, helpful. Some of the best advice I've gotten is, is actually not that you know. <laughs> it's not that monumental. It's it it's a, to be. <laughs> no, no. It's it's along the lines of you know being patient. You know, just just because you have a great idea. And it is a great idea. It doesn't mean that you're going to be able to execute, you know, as, as quickly as, as you hope. You know, sometimes it takes some, uh, you know, one to, to really build it, to build the picture you have in your head and to actually make it come out in, in a platform that, that might take some time. And and learning how people want to use it, um, that, that takes some time. So, I, you know, very early on when I when I started talking to people and, uh, you know, a lot of people were saying, hey, Avi, this is a great idea. You should really do it. You should really do it. And I remember telling some of the, the people I spoke to, like, you know, I've got enough pats on the back now. What do, what do I need to watch out for? Um, and, and the best advice I got there was, you know, just be patient. You know, you know you're, you're doing something for the first time. And any time you have a startup and you look at some of the most successful startups right now, whether it's, you know, an Uber or an Airbnb or even a Google, right, um, had very different intentions, you know, potentially early on, you know, again, all based on really, really great concepts and great ideas. But, you know, you got to be patient. You've got to see how the market receives your product or idea. You may have to tweak it or, or change it or accommodate it. And um, yeah, we've learned all those things last year. And, and, and fortunately, again, I got that advice of, of being patient early on. And every time I would get frustrated, you know, with myself or with the platform or with, you know, prospects or customers i just keep going back to that you know that advice of you know really you know be patient um, and again and looking at some of the you know, history you know you, you see these companies now and they've got these billion dollar valuations you're like wow this is amazing and then you realize some have been around a lot longer than you realize you know some have been around since 2008 to 2009 and 2009 so you're like hey what were they what were they doing the last four or five years and the answer is they were getting they were getting it wrong and uh, now they, they figured it out and you know I, again i know from my own experience i'm involved with other startups and some of them early on you know just could not get off the ground we couldn't get any traction action. Um, one of them I'm involved with, you know, a month ago, just raised a $45 million round. And, wow. uh, and that's, you know, again, you know, it was, it started in 2012 and it's nice to see in 2015, they're raising that kind of round, but Again, sometimes people don't realize that this company has been around for a long time, and uh, anyone who was interested in starting, a, you know, whatever it is, it could be a storefront, it could be a small business, or it could be a, a startup in the technology space, or whatever it is, you know, it, it's about being patient and, and and realizing that, you know, again, many have gone down the same path and, and have had the frustrations and have had the, the challenges come up. And again, if you're patient and you're confident and you believe it, believe in it, and you're sincere, um, you know, Emirates Hashem, it'll, it'll all come together. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, one last question, and then we'll uh, we'll close off this episode. It's been really fantastic so far. But are, do, you, do you have any books that you could recommend uh, to read? Anything that uh, you've really learned from that's helped you? Do people still read books? <laughs> Funny enough. Uh, <laughs> I, thought people, I thought people just read Twitter and blogs. Um, <laughs> there are not many. You know, I, I, think, I think one of the challenges I've always found with, with books is you know, people say, hey, Alvi, can you, re- can you re- recommend a book on leadership? But, well, go on Amazon and you'll see there's a thousand books on leadership. right? And, right. and, they're all, and a lot of them are good. They want to know which one did you read that you like. Yeah. So the truth of the matter is that it's a really interesting book that I read a number of years ago called The Art of Possibility. And uh, it's a small book and it's written by a husband and wife uh, team. Uh, they're both musicians, I, I believe, and, and, and psychologists. And, 
and their mindset was, and what they what they really tried to introduce was was this concept that again, you know, anything is really possible, right? So you don't have to sort of confine yourselves to what's happened in the past and and and, and you know in conformity and, and things like that. And I I think again that's very very important when you look at the world today, right? And you look at just the, the pace that that things are changing in our world today. Like anything really is possible. Like you, would, you know, I don't think anyone would say right now like you know we won't be in flying cars in five years. You know, but but again, you know, had you mentioned someone five years ago that there would be self driving cars in five years, people would have said you're crazy. It's not going to happen. I still don't believe it. Yeah. So so that book again, you just sort of introduces this concept of if, if you come in to a situation and and your your mindset is uh you know it, it's possible. You know, then you can really do something with. It. And the example that really sort of resonated with me was um, the husband's a I, I forget their name. This, this, Alexander the, right now. Yes. Yeah, great couple. He's a, he's a fantastic musician. Also, he has some great. Uh, he's a, a pianist and uh, some great stuff on on YouTube. And he he would walk into his class the first day of the semester and he would say, "Everyone's got an A." And so he just needs to do one thing right now. You need to tell me why why you got your A. <laughs> and and he would basically he would basically you know ask them on day one of the semester to explain to them all the things that they're going to be doing the rest of the semester to earn that A and uh, and once they wrote those things down you know it was it was much easier for them to then um, really sort of follow that path and, and and make it happen so you know if you come in the first day of the semester and you're, and you're thinking to yourself like how could I possibly get an A this is an impossible course yeah it, it might be I mean that you might just be you know might be prophesizing that but if you come in saying you know, okay, these are all the things I'm going to do. And he accepted all that, right? So, so he just said, yeah, you know what? You know, if you do what you told me you're going to do, you're going to get your A. And whatever they wrote, whether they said, I'm going to get my 90s on all your quizzes and exams, or whether they wrote, I'm going to write a you know, great midterm paper, or I'm going to pay a lot of attention, whatever it is. He just said, if you do those things, you're going to get your A. And he would get, you know, again, really, really fantastic, fantastic. Um, I, I you know, love that. I, mean, I think we could, we, sh- we could and should implement that into our yeshivas, you know? Mm-hmm. Tell the kids, hey, you know, you got the grades, but what are you going to do this year, you know, to get those grades? Absolutely. Let them write it out. I mean, that's genius. I love that. Absolutely. I mean, there. Are, you know, I, my son is uh, starting high school next year, and I remember one of the. We, you know, you look around different yeshivas, and unfortunately, live in the five towns where you know all the yeshivas here are fantastic. And you know, we had a good friends who, who, whose sons went there, and they were graduating this year. And we, we were talking to them, and one, uh, Teres Yaakov, Misafta Teres Yaakov. Okay. Um, it's a high school here in, in, in Lawrence. I remember speaking to one of our friends, and I, and I said, you know, how's it going? And they said, great. And they said, you know, one of our sons finished eight masechtas this year. And I said, what? What? I said, and, 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 yeah, he, you know, when I, when I meant to speak to him about it. can't even do that with Dafyomi. What are you talking about? When I went to speak to him about it, um, so first of all, two things amazing. One, one he said, look, you know, a lot of them were small Masechta. I said, that doesn't matter. I said, Masechta is a Masechta. And then he also How many finished. How did you learn Horius? Right. And he, exactly. And he's, you know, and, uh, and he said, but he also finished the Yeshiva Masechta, which I, I believe was Kedushin and, and others. And then the other thing that was amazing was I was, I was talking to one of his Rebbeim and he said, he said, he didn't just finish them. He knows them. And I said, well, well what, like, what happened? And he just said, he decided he could. You know, he just decided that he, he could learn on his own and with Chavrusas and with Rabbeim and all that. He just decided he could. And once, once he decided that he could do that, he just, you know, now it's, now it's endless, right? It's like, I, you know, I feel that way about a lot of things, like people who like, you know, start that Fiomi, for example. What, you know, I'm like, well, really? Am I going to go every day and it's so early in the morning or it's late at night? And it's, it's like, once you decide you're doing it and you could, you find suddenly four, it's four years later, you're like, wait, I'm halfway through Shas right now. This is incredible, wow. right? So that again, I think that I would say one book, um, the art of possibility. It's short. You, you know, it's summer now. If you get a day off or something like that, you can you know take it to the park and and, and read it. And um, again, just really opened up my mind. And anytime people say like, you know, that's crazy. Like, how are we going to onboard you know a thousand people in two years? Or how are we going to you know expand to this country? Or how are we going to make money? Or how are we going to start this company? Or, or even our, our engineers. You know, sometimes I'll tell them we need to do something really uh, you know crazy, and and they'll come back and I'll be like, come on, Avi, that's impossible. We can't. I just said, well, just let, let's just pretend it is possible. 
possible? What, how do we do it? What would we do? And they've come up with some incredible, incredible things. So um, the art of possibility. Beautiful. Really great. What a, what a powerful way to end this episode. Really fantastic content. Really, you know, thank you for sharing your story and thank you uh, for sharing these insights and these ideas. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to continued success from uh, Showed Me. And, you know, thank you again for uh, joining our show. And, you know, I, I look forward to, uh, you know, keeping up the communication and uh, hopefully we'll get you back one day. Thank you so much. And uh, I will be in Eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Yisrael, a little bit after Sukkot for making bar mitzvah there. So, um, oh, beautiful monster. Yeah. So I will, uh, I'll reach out then and maybe we can connect in person then. That'd be fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have Bye. a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with Nahum Kligman. We hope you learned something valuable and will share this with your friends. For show notes, archives of previous episodes, and more information to help you start and grow your business, please visit our website, www.fromentrepreneur.com. Listen, learn, be Masliak.